This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. I think we've all been there. When you don't get the results you initially expected, what should you do? Well, of course, you build a training for it. Maybe. In today's episode, Joey Acklin joins us as we discuss whether we should build a training to solve a problem or if there are other creative ways to get the results we want. It's going to be super awesome. So let's get started. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're gonna keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh yeah! And we're back for another fantastic episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds. I'm your host, Scott Shooty, and with us as always, you love him, Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh yeah. Dan, how you doing, sir? I think you know, Scott. I think our audience knows. But I'm fair to Midland. It's the explosion at the end that sells it. Like I think that's so. That's beautiful. Like I just want a button. Like you remember the easy button? That was easy. Mm-hmm. I just want a button that goes to Midland. That's what I want. Okay. How's You're your week a very been? simple simple man dan uh, i've been really 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 busy um but today was a fantastic day it was awesome. today was just one of those fantastic you know when you get in the zone and you're just in the zone and you're just closing closing open cycles um it's a great thing yes, have we did. talked about the law of open cycles no should we tell our listeners about the law of open cycles very quickly you know what before we do that let's see if our other fabulous nerds uh know about the law of open cycles i'm quite sure that um our next co-host whom you love may have some idea ladies and gentlemen miss abby dawson abby hey there law of open cycles I don't know. It's like when you open the dishwasher too soon or something. I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> Abby, you yeah. were my only hope. That's, you were that's my only true. hope. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe our next guest uh, coming back uh, due to popular demand. Um, you love him. Uh, Joey is with us again, everybody. <laughs> Joey Eklund, sir, how are you? I'm great. Glad to be here. That's that's fantastic. Uh, the law of open cycles. Do you know what that is? No, is it does it deal with energy and like the loss of energy, or what? what I have no clue. Uh, well, not really. But that was a nice try. I, I appreciate you trying at least to answer the Thank, question. Thanks for the uh, pity clap. I appreciate that. <laughs> I learned the law of open cycles through a networking business group that I'm in. And essentially it's this, like the open question is, Hey, listen, if you ever had to do a report and you start opening up windows on your computer to find information, say on Google or some other, you know, search engine, what happens to your computer with more tabs open? Are we supposed to jump in here? Yeah. Oh, this is an audience participation moment. 
I mean, nerdy moment. I mean, obviously, you're going to start using up more system resources, including uh-huh. processor cycles and eating up more RAM and memory. Is okay, what so what in for? layman's terms would happen, Daniel, when that uh, happens? More stuff needed for more tabs. Your computer will slow down. Okay. <laughs> and eventually, if you leave it open too much, your computer will need to be restarted. Okay. So, um, life, your, your brain is a lot like a computer, believe it or not. And the more of those things I got going on, the less effective I am in the things that I really need to do. So, the law of open cycles is basically identify those things in your life that you can close out real quick and get those done very quickly so you have more time to spend on the things that matter the most so there it is the the law of open cycles thank you so i'm going to start setting that as my uh slack message when i have to upload storyline videos i'm going to say too many open cycles going away (laughs) yeah I actually had too much open on my computer this week and I was doing some editing and I went to um, ex- export to render it and my computer just erped like nobody's business. It just vomited data God knows where. So that was nice. Pull out my CC cleaner and let's get started. So that was uh, that was the deal. But um, hey, we didn't come here to talk about um, nefarious business laws that have great deep meaning to us personally. Uh, we came here to talk about some learning stuff. So how about we get into the topic of the week? All right, today's topic comes from an article I found this week, and I thought it was great, and I thought it would make a great discussion for um, us today. Um, it was in Training Industry Magazine, and it's from Ms. Angela Wilson. Um, we want to thank Angela for her uh, article. Fantastic discussion. And what I really want to talk about is, hey, when, uh, when do you need training? And when do you need something else? Because my experience has been whenever there's an opportunity in the workplace, the immediate answer is, well, throw training at it. As a matter of fact, I had a discussion on a a bulletin board earlier this week with someone who is being tasked to solve a problem through training as part of a job interview. And we are all scratching our head like, wow, there are many components here that are not learning and development focus that would solve this problem very easily. And yet we always throw it out to learning. So I thought it'd be a really interesting uh, topic before we get into some examples. Um, we'll start with Joey. Joey, what, uh, what's your experience been like when it comes to this issue or opportunity? Let's call it that. I think when you're doing the analysis or the background or what have you for the project is difficulty explaining, hey, I can make something, but really the core issue is this process or this system or something else. And then usually being told it's that's, we can't fix that. We only can focus on what we can do. Um, So combating that is always difficult, at least for me. You know, I uh, just jumping in that idea of like, well, we can't fix that. We can only focus on what we can do. You know, it's, as a as a business, not like thinking about like individual groups, but thinking about like a business as a business. When other groups start like saying like, "Hey, this process is clunky," like, "Hey, how this works doesn't work," and the business is like looking for like, "Well, train them how to make it work. Train them, and we can't fix it." I feel like that's a I feel like that's a cop out answer. Yeah, and I I would say too. Um, a lot of training groups, especially if you're green or you're really trying to prove yourself, you're new in the role or you're just new to training, um, you can get in a really bad habit really quickly by someone going, I need a training on X. And you just go, okay, without going, wait, 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 talk to me more about what it is. What's the problem? Where did it come from? How'd you find it? How long has it been going on? Where are you seeing it the most? Doing that um, exploratory investigation because... Um, Without that, you're going to create a training that 
isn't going to solve the problem. And then you're in a place where is my training bad or was that never the problem to begin with? And that's really hard to nail down after the fact. It's true. Like without analysis and like needs assessment, like we, you get stuck in that terrible cycle of like, I pumped out a training. 30 days later, everybody needs retraining on that training I gave. So I pump out another training. And then 30 days later, everybody needs more training on the training that I gave for more training. And everybody just keeps like going, oh, we'll just keep training him, keep training him, keep training him, keep training him. And one needs assessment. One stop on the analysis train would have stopped that. You would have been like, I got this. Here's the need. Here's what we need to build. It's built. It's done. Problem solved. Mic drop. Boom. Mm-hmm. But instead, absolutely, redip, 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 redip. Yep, and you're losing trust with your learners. Your business yes. is frustrated with you. It's a bad cycle. Back in episode four, our good friend Lisa Wallace from the Performance Architect. We talked a little bit about this by, you know, the very real thing of when we all just start taking orders, right? So when learning and development becomes a uh, vending machine to everybody's um, wants or needs, it's a really dangerous thing. And you produce some really mediocre, if not poor results, right? So one of the challenges I know that, that we're having as well is this idea of exercising good thought leadership so that the right people are making the decisions and that the right people are driving the bus. And that's the most frustrating thing. Sometimes I find people come to us and say, hey, here's our problem. Here's our solution. Now go make it for us, please. And I don't believe that that's where the rubber hits the road when it comes to our ability to be thought leaders and to deliver the kinds of outcomes that have real value. I 100% agree with that. Like learning and development needs to be plugged in at the strategy and planning level. And I, I know just like for my team, it's something we fought really hard to to be part of. And it goes back to that, like, is training needed? Like, is, like when we're in those strategy and planning moments and we're like, all right, this is what we want to launch. This is what it's going to look like. This is what the goal is. How do we get people to the goal becomes the question. And then we can say like, hey, great. This is what you need training for, A, B, and C. This is what we can do, and this is why we need it there, and this is how it will help you meet the goal. And since like jumping in at that point, a, a lot of our like non-training training requests have started to, to drop off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think being a really good advocate for what training does, being able to go in a room and go, this is what training can do. And these are the things it can't do. I don't want to waste your time, our time, everybody's time by trying to create something I can't do. Um, and sometimes it's not um, a strict limitation of training. Joey, I know you were talking earlier. Sometimes it's about resources, right? Yeah, absolutely. You just don't have enough time to do the thing you want to do and create the thing that you, the business needs, either due to a quick launch an update to the system that you can't stop or prevent for whatever reason. And maybe back to your point, Dan, about being part of the strategy. Most companies and most teams don't think that way. Or you have product or engineers or what have you that I know what the system needs to be done and update, updated. I know the customer. I don't need to know what training is or what, how training works to give a solution. You know, you, you bring up most most businesses, most learning and development people aren't thinking that way. Listen, audience, if you're a learning and development leader right now, go to your leaders, go to your directors and ask to be part of the strategy session sessions. Like as businesses are trying to decide like the best and most efficient way to like make these big changes, they want you there. They want people to be part of those moments to help build the best things. So if you're a learning and development leader and you're wondering like, if you're in the same boat we're talking about, like go talk to your leaders, go talk to your leaders' leaders, go connect. I, that's my firm belief that that's what people do want and just how like things have been laid out prevent us from taking that extra step. It's so much, such a better way to do it. Night and day difference. 
Yeah, I'm working um, with a small training team now on a company that's growing really fast. And the training team is really young and new, like incredibly young and new. And our strategy from the get-go um, has been, they're going to bring us on as a necessity. They need training. They know it. We know it. Everyone knows they need some form of training. Our goal, though, is to move from a group of necessity into a strategic lever that they can use to help grow and facilitate their business. And you can't do that unless you're in the room, right, Dan? You can't do that unless you understand where they're going and why. 100%. I love that. A strategic lever to like grow the business. That's awesome. I want that on a shirt. It would be kind of a nerdy <laughs> shirt, but I still want it on a shirt. I'm a strategic <laughs> lever. <laughs> I will buy the first one. <laughs> One of the things I've been advocating for, and I've actually added it to the strategic meetings that I lead, is the agenda item number one. Who's missing from the room? Who else needs to be here? Because I can't tell you how many countless times that we've gone full steam down with solution planning only to identify that, oh, it would have been a really great idea if Joey was here. He would have known exactly what to do. So no um, And probably, <laughs> yeah, right? And uh, so I think that that's really, really important. Like make it your agenda item number one. What a humbling thing to do, right? Like from a leadership perspective, hey, I think I got everybody in the room that I need to. Who's missing, right? So that's really great. If I look at the article too, one of the things that I think is really awesome and I want to transition into is this, um, Angela talks about Miss Wilson says, whenever you're talking with management and upper leadership about possible training issues or assignments, take the opportunity to educate them on the difference between training issues and performance issues and offer to develop the best and most effective solution. So what do we think about that idea of is it a training issue or is it a performance issue? In a lot of like modern companies, you do have like that big distinction between learning and development groups and your leadership groups. And as companies grow in complexity and reporting structures, the beautiful lie is that one group or one team has has the answers to fix all the problems. And that can be super alluring. Uh, just to talk for a moment, we talked briefly about it before the show started, but like imposter syndrome and like that feeling and sense that like, hey, my team can fix this. My team can fix all the problems can seem like just this like very intoxicating idea. And a lot of learning development teams can sort of kind of fix performance problems. They can sort of kind of fix them. But sort of kind of fixes means you're coming back to it like we talked about every 30 days you got to water it you got to make sure it's looking all right you're like all right cool and then the business starts wondering why are we doing this why do we have to keep redipping why do we have to keep coming back to this issue and that's because the root cause is it's not a learning and development issue it's a performance issue and you're letting a learning and development team handle it for whatever reason and your learning and development team is so hungry to be part of that discussion part of that strategy, part of being part of that and feeling like they need to be there to prove value and worth that they're just like, yep, we'll do it. And they sort of kind of can, but sort of kind of isn't what we need. Yeah. And a lot of times you're doing a disservice to the business too, because if they're not finding what the actual problem is, it's probably going to get worse and it's almost definitely not going to go away. So um, you're going to end up having to deal with it one way or another. Let's take a look at some opportunities, I think, that we can certainly find out if we do good, solid needs analysis, right? So we're taking a look at the problem. We hang out with the people who are closest to the problem, right? The, the employees usually. We identify what the need is or where the gap is. And then here are some really good examples. And let's talk about whether or not there it's a training solution or for different solutions. So here's a good example. So after our needs analysis, we discover my audience knows how to do the task, but they don't realize that they're doing it incorrectly. So obviously we should train them, right? Uh, I mean, like, no, like 
you, you said you said the fix right there in the setup. They already know how to do the process. Well, great. They've already been trained. They don't realize they're doing it incorrectly. Like how many how many leaders and other people are they interacting with who aren't telling them, hey, you're doing this wrong before this tertiary group learning and development group got rolled in to like build a training. Like there's so many steps that got missed, so many pieces that like the feedback system didn't work. Hopefully it's because it just didn't work and not because your company doesn't have a feedback system. But yeah, like literally just somebody like, hey, that that didn't work right. Like that that didn't go okay. Yeah, and I've seen this a lot with systems too, where nobody wants to talk about how the system like and I'm talking like an actual computer system, point of sale or or some other computer flow. Nobody wants to acknowledge that that's the problem because those are so expensive and time consuming to fix. And they're hoping that maybe we can just prop it up with training because it's cheaper or faster. Um, and I hate being in that position. <laughs> it's a yeah. tough position to be in. Sometimes you you have to buckle and do what you can to help the team. But um, in those instances, I think it's also always worth going to the team and going, I want us to all understand what the real problem is. We're here to help and do our part. But can we all agree that this is not the problem? You know, I, I would give one like caveat, especially to like this example. Um, in this example, we're saying like, hey, it's only a few people who are misunderstanding. Like if the, if a huge chunk of your your user base is like, I keep goofing this up, like there may actually be a need at that point for training. I think in this particular example, though, we're talking like a small selection, like, you know, a, a single digit percentage, a low, low, like 10 percent, maybe tops. I think once you get past there, like either the initial training, there was a miss or the system has changed enough or there's general confusion that could be addressed maybe with just the job aid or maybe with some more training. And yeah, that's such a good point because I think people see training as almost free because they tell us to do something and it just kind of happens. They don't know that our tools cost money, our people cost money, and that time means we don't get to do something else. It feels free. So helping them understand the expense of creating a training, that's a that's a tough challenge. And honestly, one, I'd like to know how you guys have done it because I don't know if I've ever been really savvy at communicating the cost of training without saying, if I do this, I can't do another thing. Well, I was just, I know the way I did it really is to show ROI and cost. Cause I think a lot of like, depending on what industry you're in, a lot of times it's like money speaks, the money talks. So it costs me, I am some number of salary per hour, some cost per hour. So it takes me 20 hours to develop a training that 20 hours plus the, 30 minutes of training times a thousand employees. All that's a cost. Add that all together. And then how much money are we getting back because we're doing this training? You know, that number is less. Why are we doing this? Now, sometimes there's an experience and a quality, like just like a good thing to do that's still going to cost money. And I think that's, you still do the thing. But on the flip side, it just costs money and no one's happy about it. Why are we doing it? I have two scales I use when I talk to both learning and development experts and non-learning and development people when I'm trying to determine the um, whether or not training's worth it. And when I try to help non-learning development people decide if training is worth it, uh, I, I jokingly call it the Lincoln Navigator scale. Uh, a full hour of training at a company uh, I, I I was at, or I'm at, excuse me, is was roughly like $67,000 for an hour of training that would roll out to the full business. And roughly, that's the cost of a pretty decently set out Lincoln Navigator. And so whenever I would be dealing with people who would put in requests and they'd be like, how much training? Oh, we, we think we need an hour. I'd be like, all right, cool. Would you buy this training or would you buy a fully loaded Lincoln Navigator? because you can't have both. And this training is going to cost a fully loaded Lincoln Navigator. We could go go buy one, park it in the garage, 
and have a fully loaded Lincoln Navigator for the business to use or this training. Where is that t-shirt, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, as soon as like it, we got out of like, just like obtuse dollars and cents and like got into like objects, everybody would like stop. And you could see everybody's reaction in the room because they'd kind of look at you like, cool, Pinrod's gone crazy. Okay. And I'd be like, listen, an hour worth of training cost the company $67,000. That was from a long time ago. I don't know what it costs right now. I was like, but that gets everybody trained. So we can have that training. Or Lincoln Navigator. And if the answer isn't cut and dry right now, we probably don't need the training. And when I talk to... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, even in well-produced videos, like one-tenth of that. Yeah. Third-party, yeah. well-produced explainer video. Yeah, one-tenth of that. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's not, just, it's not just production time. It's the time it takes from your, your agents on the phone. It's the time it takes from the people in your company. It's all of that time gets eaten up by everybody in your company. And that costs money. That costs time. And... Listen, I'm a learning and development guy, so I'm going to say right now, training your people is important, and it's absolutely worth however many Lincoln Navigators it takes to build an efficient, effective workforce to do amazing things. But every time you're pulling that training lever, you got to know, am I trying to solve a problem that I could solve easier or for less money? Or am I just going to the team that I know solves stuff because it's easy? Well, let's take a look at a different opportunity, right? Love your Lincoln Navigator thing. I'll see if it flies in my next strategy meeting. <laughs> um, I'm seeing if, well, hopefully it does. All right. So next opportunity, your audience forgets some of the steps in the process. So what do we do? We, we train them, right? <laughs> Is that the drop you're looking for, Dan? That's, that, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It is perfect, right? <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. We train them, right? I mean, the drop said it all, Scott. We all, we all know that's not the answer. <laughs> okay. What's the answer then, if it's not training them? Listen. If you have people and it's a consistent problem that they're forgetting steps in the process, we talked about this in the beginning, evaluate your process. If your process is so complicated that the majority of your workforce can't make it through after receiving training, there's something wrong with the process. If that's not an option for whatever reason, like the process is set in stone, it's built by a third party vendor that's not gonna help us move or change it, whatever that reason is, if you can't change the process, then you got to have the steps laid out someplace where they can get easy access to them. We talked about job aid. Maybe that's somewhere in your learning management system. But if you're building another training to run people through again for a process that's so complicated, they're going to forget the steps. Well, that's because they're humans and humans forget stuff. Like I have trouble remembering my phone number anymore because I store it in my phone. Like you can only hold so many steps before... I, I have to make the drop sound. I don't control the drops here, people. But no, I was just going to say when those problems came to me, I would always start the conversation with, okay, tell, let's look at the original training and tell me where there are gaps or it's wrong or has something changed. And if none of those things are really true or happening, I, I politely offer to say, I don't think it's a problem I can solve then because the training was done and solid. So if there isn't a, an error or something missing, I think the training is doing its function. Maybe the problem is somewhere else. No, that's valid. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, job aids. And you're right. Like, Daniel, if it's too complicated, it's time to make it simple. Uh, there's a author, Tim Ferriss. Have you guys followed him at all? He wrote a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. Yeah. 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 Great stuff. He had a... He had a quote that I heard this week, and it's really awesome. And it was, if this were easy, what would it look like? Right? So anytime I'm struggling with something, I got to remind, I got to stop and say, wait a minute. 
if this were easy, what would it look like? Because in that question lies innovation. So if you've got a process that's just wicked and takes an entire manual for you to, you know, order pizza from an app, then you might have, uh, you know, a process opportunity. And hey, if this were easy, what would it look like? I just hit a button and Joey goes out and gets me a pizza, which is pretty great. So there it is. Where is the Joey pizza button? And how do I get so I hit to it. it? All the pizzas for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Another opportunity, performance opportunity. Your audience doesn't understand why they have to do it. So let's go ahead and train them, everybody. I like how this time there wasn't even a pause because we all know that's wrong just from the <laughs> outset. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they don't understand why, that goes back to training should not be the voice explaining uh, the goals of the company. Like, that's just uh, kind of nutty to me. Your leadership should explain the goals of the company and all of that should track to, to the things you're doing. People will do with why what they won't do with how. Well, I think that's a core tenet of good leadership is you have to tell people why. Yes. And I I had a conversation earlier this week around, what do you guys think of this training I put together? And it was missing the what's in it for me, the WIFM. It was missing the WIFM up front. I'm like, I think it's a great start, but I don't know why I'm here. So let's make sure it's there. So let's be very, very clear that that's important. That value piece up at the front end of anything that you're putting together from a learning perspective is really important. But once it's out there and people are expected to do something and they still don't understand the why, that's a, that's a communication of expectations and value opportunity. Best led through transparent conversations with leadership. Or some other communication channel where people have the opportunity to ask questions, people have the opportunity to provide feedback, and, and really you can align and get buy-in in so much better ways than drafting out a Lincoln Navigator to, uh, to deliver the why. And one more thing to that, I will say the front line is probably full of really smart people. That's probably why you put them there. If they don't know the why, sometimes it's because there is no why or the why is not good. And if if you can't justify it, maybe you shouldn't be asking them to do whatever they're they're being asked to do. Maybe the there isn't a good why. Maybe the whole idea of what they're doing needs to be reevaluated. Oh, I hundred percent agree. Like very few people get to drive change with the word because. Like there has to be a why. And sometimes that why can be as simple as because that's what the business needs in order to more effectively move forward or because this is the change we need to see and this is the first step in that change. Like people get like, they tie themselves into knots like when the, when the why isn't clear, like, oh, I don't know. But no, like start with why. If Like even if your first answer to the why isn't great, you can share that. Be like, hey, like we're still getting all the exact reasons why filtered out, but the why right now is because this is what the business needs in order to move forward to our next step of where we're trying to go. And people will respect that way more than, than because you all had an hour left and we wanted to do something with that. <laughs> or it's your job. Yeah. Nobody likes hearing it's your job. <laughs> Maybe. Um... More to add too is going back to if someone still doesn't do it or you still think it's training, at that point, it's not training, it's behavior. I can't force some, someone to do something, no matter what I tell them in a training document or a training solution. That's behavior, that's coaching, that goes back to leadership, or maybe they're not right for the company, maybe that's not what they want to do because they don't care about the why. Yep, really important to continue to communicate both up and down your chain of command. The people below you need to understand what's going on. Uh, you need to be able to explain what's going on to your superiors. Next opportunity. I love this one. The process or tasks actually bring little to no value. 
So let's get everybody together and let's train them. Does this go back to the the Escalades or the Lincoln Navigators? <laughs> I like the Escalades version better. <laughs> Me too. Aren't, aren't they essentially the same vehicle? Yeah, but no. I mean, there's some there's some differences. Oh my gosh, boys! Focus, focus. We're not going down that rabbit hole. It's not why we're here. <laughs> Uh, Unless I mean, Abby's going to get one, right, Abby? Are you buying? I'll wait for it. <laughs> I mean, like, listen, the, what you're describing is how businesses begin. This process is complicated and it has too many steps. So I built a new process with less steps that does the same thing. Equals profit? Like, that's like, cut them steps out. <laughs> I really think that this is a big sign of, I hate to even talk about it, but it's so true. And it's really prevalent no matter where you're at. It's kind of an ego thing. Like I'm so invested in what I created that I can't see that what we're asking people to do doesn't have any value, right? Um, it, it, that's tough. I mean, that's really, really tough when you get um, emotionally invested in whatever you create to the point where that becomes difficult to let it go. Uh, your audience, I keep telling people like our audience is not dumb. They're not, they're really smart. On most occasions, the people that I'm talking to are really, really, really smart. They want to do a great job. And as soon as they recognize that this is a bologna sandwich, they'll find other things to, to do that actually add value versus spending a lot of time on the bologna. So, yeah, it makes me think about, um, I've heard so many times, like, we want to wow the customer in so many places that I've worked. You can't, first of all, you can't teach people how to wow customers. I've never really seen it effectively done. That's a hiring leadership uh, project, I think. But I mean, if you're trying to sell more TVs and you tell your people, do cartwheels on the sales floor, that'll help wow customers and we'll sell more TVs. You may get more people come in to see people do cartwheels. I don't think they're going to buy TVs. So, you have to, again, it goes back to the things training can actually accomplish and the things that people can accomplish um, and and assessing what you're really asking people is, is it something they're capable of doing? Not just training, but like your, your folks in general and your customers. <laughs> just want to step in real quick and say, if uh, the salesperson I'm talking to is doing cartwheels while trying to sell me a TV, if they're successful, I will more I'm more than likely not to buy that TV because I just got uh, that's a total thing that's amazing. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys all heard him. All the folks out there selling TVs when Dan walks in. <laughs> the next time I walk in the Best Buy, if everybody isn't doing cartwheels, I am crushed. I am disappointed. <laughs> you know, in the article, uh, Miss Wilson identifies one very simple question you can ask to identify tasks that have no value and it's very simple you just go up and say what would happen if we stop doing it and i love that question like what's going to happen and if the answer isn't well the whole thing will come crashing down or the world's going to implode i think it's a fantastic question no i like that i think um there's real value in asking what happens if we don't do this like just from a strategy level as like you're laying out like all the plans and this is what the launch is going to look like even before you even get to learning and development just asking yourself what does it look like if we don't do this and then taking that question everywhere like hey step number seven of this uh 16 step process somebody explain what happens if we don't do this step oh well the computer doesn't connect and this doesn't happen and then there's thermonuclear war. Like, okay, cool. Step seven, very important. <laughs> step eight, what happens if we don't do step eight? So yeah, I love that line of thinking. I think sometimes it can be really hard to know the answer to that. Um, I think it goes back to your question, your idea of making sure you have the right people in the room. Because um, that's a tough question to answer. I think on the flip side too, the simple answer to that could be this person doesn't get this data or this data point to improve something later. I don't know, I feel, like, I feel like there's a lot of steps in certain processes. They're very manual when the system is not up to snuff or not fully vetted out yet. 
that's a very manual process. Like, oh, I need to send this Google spreadsheet to person C for some data collection or something to do some process later. Uh, that's a cumbersome process and hopefully eventually simplified and fixed with some of the other questions we talked about before. But I, it feels like that happens a lot more than it should. You know, I am, I'm always on the lookout when, when we're asking like, Hey, why do we do this? And that answer of, Oh, it's just how we've always done it. Like, that's like, it's a huge flag to be like, Oh, stop. Wait, cool. All right. Why do we, why has, why did we begin doing that? And what happens if we stop doing that today? And I think if people were to start like asking that question more often, like, what happens if we stop doing this and start looking for those like red flag, like vestial leftover process leftovers, like all reports always go to Steve. Great. All reports have gone to Steve for the past 17 years. Why did it go to Steve? Because Steve does stuff with them. And meanwhile, you're talking to Steve. He's like, please stop sending me reports. I haven't done that in 13 years. <laughs> Poor, Steve. Poor Steve. Yeah. Well, I mean, the past year has definitely taught us, like, we all went into offices because that's always what we did. And then when we had to stop going into offices, when the universe said, what if we stopped that? <laughs> yeah. We, we found out pretty quick. What if not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're moving into this whole world of hybrid, which I think is really awesome. And, uh, and, and I think amazing things are going to come from all of that. I've had great discussions today with just about everybody around, uh, around that shift and why it's important. Uh, last question before we wrap things up, or last opportunity. I think this is really great. Oh, by the one last thing before I get there on um, this, the question what would happen if we stopped doing this can also identify the feel good work requests that we get all the time. I, I work in an organization that loves one pagers and they love to put as much information on one pagers as they possibly can. And we put them out all the time. And I've been on the mountaintop with my bullhorn suggesting that this is an ineffective way to teach people, especially our audience, anything. And finally, we just got down to asking the question, like, what would happen if we stopped doing this? And the answer was, well, nothing, right? So, the, you know, it, it, we have to identify other ways of getting that information that are more effective and more engaging. It was a really great way to to get to that. Anyway, last opportunity. The task is done infrequently. So everybody's aware of it. Uh, it's not getting done uh, often or at all. So, training or what other opportunity? What other ways can we uh, address the opportunity? And it could be just that situation doesn't happen often. Like maybe that happens once a month. Which, if it's only once a month, is there a process or something in place that can make that easier for the person doing it? So then they don't do or mess it up infrequently or what have you. If you've got something like that, I, I think the bigger question to ask is why did somebody request training for what is essentially a one-off? Like if there's a huge impact, like, Hey, like if we process this wrong, like people will die. Like, okay, cool. Do training. Like, you know, like better safe than sorry. I'm sure somebody will be upset about having to make training for that one-off. Hopefully they're not lives are at stake, but, but if it's like, well, if we don't do this training, like it'll be weird. Maybe somebody will be mad or like, maybe this process will take a little extra time. Well, if it's being used so infrequently that we're asking this question, the amount of time you spent to spin up a team, to do the analysis, to build the training, to get it right. You've literally blew a year's budget worth of what that task would have taken. So no, don't build training. Like write an article and post it where they can find it. Job aids would be a great solution. I think the reality we have to remind ourselves. I mean, learning is um, the foundation for practice that comes after, right? Especially when it comes to tasks or skills. Like I'm going to go ahead and show you how to do something, but in order for you to really learn it, you got to go out and do it. 
But if I'm doing it once every six months, right? I no matter how great your training is, I'm never going to remember that. Or or if the process is wonky around that, like maybe it's intuitive. Like maybe the process is so super simple and easy to get. Like you just need to tell me once and I get it, right? Uh, like logging into um, Facebook, like you show me how to do it once, uh, I'm good. Like I, you know what I'm saying. So that's a bad analogy, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Like make it intuitive. Like oh, okay. Well, if I do this to this to this, and if you take a look at good web design or good app design, does exactly that. Like the learner should or the participant should be able to figure it out, even if it's been an eternity since the last time they did it. And if it's not intuitive, make sure there's a just-in-time learning device of some sort that would help them complete the process or task, and that everybody knows where to get it, right? So my thoughts around relevancy is it's not just about, is the information important to me, but do I know where to get it? Because if I put it somewhere where my audience doesn't know it exists, it, it might as well not exist, right? So make sure you have your learning in a relevant place and it's relevant information. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought up just-in-time learning because in situations like that, one-offs, stuff like that, there's no sense in training somebody how to you know, follow a process flow that they're only going to use once every six months, once a year. Like They're not going to remember it. It's not going to stick. If when they get to that process flow, you have a quick little tutorial or directions on how to do it, when they get to it, that's going to be effective. So I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's a good point. And that's being a good steward of training and helping your business by saying, I understand, but we're not going to train everybody. How about I create this resource that will pop up when they need it? And maybe something to add to, I bet many teams out there, the same folks that are making training are making the job aids. So you're just saving yourself time by I'm doing this instead of an e-learning or an ILT or what have you. Final thoughts, training versus other solutions for performance management. You know, just this week, I was talking to an instructional designer and we were talking about something very similar to this. They were talking about like how they felt they, they felt the pressure to always say yes, to take on any task that came across their desk, to just like do it because they were afraid that by saying no, they would get labeled as somebody who didn't want to do the work. Somebody who was just a slacker. And, you know, I, I think that's a fear that a lot of learning and development professionals have. We get told a lot that we're in a cost business. We're a cost center this. And, you know, our business costs. And every one of those dollars has to be monitored. And so that sense of fear of like, oh, God, like, you know, my job is just an extra. It starts to like eat at us. Learning development brings value. Brings a lot of value. And the difference between an effectively trained workforce and a, a workforce just figuring it out is huge. And on top of that, if you can add a learning and development group that is aware of strategy and planning, and on top of that, aware of the efficiencies that they can help build through being sure that like we're not building Lincoln navigators. We're using the tools in our belt. If you're a team that builds, you know, like job aids as well as training, like, Hey, like instead of spending 30 minutes in building this training, I built you this job aid. It can be sent out by email. It will take one to two minutes to read. I just saved the company, a link, a Lincoln navigator. Like, (laughs) It's that kind of knowledge and that kind of thinking in my heart of hearts, I believe is what the business world wants. And I hope that people listening here, people reading Miss Wilson's article can see that for the truth that it is and feel empowered to like be like, oh, hey, cost wise. Do we want training here? Yeah, my jump in would be. Do not silo yourself. The better you know your business, the better you understand other people's roles, the more you can be helpful when you say, this is not a training problem. What I suggest is you go to, to so-and-so who does X, Y, and Z. I think there's, there might be a solution there. 
that is a much more productive conversation. And it's um, it comes from a place where people can trust you because they know you understand what's happening and what the channels are. Um, when people are looking for a solution, they want to hear options. And if I'm not an option, I want to be able to at least point you somewhere where you can go pursue a possible solution. Um, it builds a lot of trust. It builds... Um, a lot of that expertise as a professional that we, it's so important to convey as a learning professional. Excellent. Well, thank you, everybody. I really appreciate the discussion. If uh, you have some thoughts uh, around training versus performance solutions, please email us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. Daniel. Yes, Scott. Could you do me a solid and let everybody know how they can connect with us? Absolutely. I'm going to shake things up this week. We're going to start at the bottom. Guys, if you're on Instagram, you can find us at Fab Learning Nerds. If you're on Facebook, you can like our Facebook page at Learning Nerds. And lastly, as we've talked about what you can do to be a better representative for your company, for your profession, one of those things is you can email us, learningnerdscast at gmail.com. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Joey, thanks for showing up with your wisdom. We love you. We're happy to have you back. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Any parting words of wisdoms? or? I guess for me, just go out there and create greatness. There you go. Go out and create greatness. Excellent. Hey, well, that's going to end things up for us tonight. Uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Share it out with your friends. We'd really appreciate that. If you're listening to us on one of the major platforms, we'd certainly appreciate a review. They help us identify how we can be better, and it also helps us uh, stick out a little bit above the crowds. And with that, my name's Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. I'm Joey. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. Electronic Specifier Insights podcast is dedicated to asking the big questions of the electronic industry's biggest players. Electronics and technology are becoming increasingly integral across all aspects of daily life and within society as a whole. Check out the Electronic Specifier Insights podcast at www.electronicspecifier.com. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. When do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.